if there's any chance you could get him to turn off the television. I'd... Don't worry. I brought some books for us to read. Good luck. Submitted for the approval of the Gut Buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the 90s Nickelodeon podcast where we talk about all things 90s Nickelodeon. My name's Joey. I'm Andrew. And I'm Logan. And this is episode number 242. <laughs> we're thick. We're in the thick of Podtober. And yeah, we're talking. So thick. <laughs> we're talking the tale of the dream machine versus the tale of the bookish babysitter. Man. Or the other way around. Sure, sure. Um, boy, what a, what a matchup we have here. Uh, these are two, I think, titans in the Are You Afraid of the Dark universe. Um, yeah. Obviously united by uh, writing. Um, yeah. I think, uh, I think it's going to be a good storytelling. Yeah, I think it's going to be a good matchup. Logan, you seemed you seemed very excited to get on the get in on this. What what's um. What's your feel here for these episodes? Well, I mean, I just think for me, like I really gravitated towards the bookish babysitter when I was younger um, for a bunch of reasons we'll get into. But I just also really, really hated the dream machine. Like, oh, wow. I just remember that one. Yeah, I did. I just remember that one coming on like when I was a kid and being like, oh, yeah, skip it. Switch to the next channel. Like, I, just, I don't know. Was, wasn't Jeez. for me and for a bunch of reasons that I wrote down. So, wow. Really, that's coming really out swinging. Yeah, I love. It. I mean, swinging. I love I was told it. To come out swinging. Joey told me to come out swinging. Yeah, so. no, it's good. It's good. I, I, I did. Yeah. I said, don't be, don't be afraid. Cause, well, because I think sometimes guests come on and they're a little bit nervous, and you yeah. don't, you don't want to be nervous on a versus. Uh, you wanna, <laughs> you wanna give it your best yeah. shot. Um, that's funny. I was thinking doing as I was doing this. I was thinking personally that the Dream Machine almost never aired. Like I, I saw it maybe hmm. a couple times over my childhood. No kidding. I mean, yeah. I, it was memorable for me, but you know, it wasn't like Dangerous Soup, like on every afternoon. Yeah, the Dangerous yeah. Soup was on a lot, but I love that episode. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have kind of the same feeling with Dream Machine, which is I know I had to have seen it because there's a few scenes that are very memorable, um, yeah. but I don't remember it quite as clearly. Um, and in my head, I was thinking like bookish babysitter is maybe the um classic the more classic of the two and that uh dream machine's kind of the more um hipster darling it's like kind of it's like it's like had a like a resurgence i think amongst fans of like oh wait a second (laughs) maybe uh, we slept on this thing (laughs) yeah 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 though i I, i've always been pretty hot on prom queen but not the no me too i just i feel like i feel like a lot of the high schooler episodes tend to that you have to kind of rewatch when you're a little older and then you kind of mm. appreciate yeah. them more yeah yeah that's a good point well i, I love that you uh, actually dislike dream machine because that's rarely the case on these even though we go we get heated we very rarely <laughs> truly dislike the other episode um i guess oh boy i guess i shouldn't ask you because i want you to save these points um hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna hold off. Let's save the juice for the actual <laughs> debate. Um, Andrew, do you do you um I you know, I said right off the bat, and I'm I'm the judge mm-hmm. here. 
I am fond of both of these episodes. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you yeah, feel? Yeah, me here? too. Okay. I am also fond of both of them going in my feel. I, I feel like we've talked about this for a little, for sort of a long time, like this matchup. Um, yeah. And I felt from the beginning, like dream machine was probably the less loved episode, but I really like it. So I always thought yeah. like I, I would want to defend it. Yeah. It, it would need a champion. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I love it. Um, I do want you to know, Logan, uh, I'm fully aware that, um, bookish babysitter is a Betty Ann story. I, I will not allow that. I, I want to be an impartial judge. Midnight society segment is up for grabs folks. I am, I am not, um, there's no, uh, I, I'm not letting it sway me if that makes you feel any better, Andrew. Mm. Yeah. Wait, um, so are you, you're saying that the. I can't use the the fact that Betty Ann's automatically, obviously, a better storyteller is one of my one of my reasonings. Oh no, that was like my no, top reasoning. No, 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 no. Say say whatever you want to say. I just like on this podcast, um, I have fawned over Betty Ann uh, as a storyteller, and yes. I just want Andrew to feel a little more comfortable in the fact that like I I very consciously um, have told myself like that I can't. I'm taking myself out of it. I'm going to go off your arguments. Yeah. Uh, so, so we have a, f- a fair fight here. <laughs> fair, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. that. I trust you to be <laughs> as impartial as possible. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Andrew, what are our five categories today? Uh, we're going to be talking the story characters, scariness, uh, the like story gimmick, mm-hmm. if you will. And the midnight society. Yeah. Always. At this point, always last. It's it's one of those categories that seems to have actually been like a tiebreaker in a lot of cases. Um, so I love leaving Midnight Society to last. But the big the big commonality here is the plot device, right? That it's both yeah. both stories that use literature. Um, yeah, to drive very the similar. Plot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Andrew, you will be defending, so people are very clear. Uh, the tale of the dream machine. Sure. And Logan, the tale of the bookish babysitter. Oh man, mm. Chill, chills down my <laughs> spine. Oh, um, you know what? You know what surprised me actually? Um, I I just reminded myself of which what uh, seasons these episodes came in. I couldn't yeah. believe bookish babysitter didn't come first. Yeah, actually, I I was actually just kind of going through it again, and I couldn't believe it was not first as well. Yeah, season Crazy. three, yeah. right? Or is it two or yeah. three? Uh, Bookish Babysitter's three and yeah. Dream Machine's two. Yeah, really crazy. I, I would if I had to guess, I would have said Dream Machine was like season four, maybe. <laughs> Just because of the feel, anyway. like why do you say that? I'm not sure. Maybe it's partially because I didn't see it that often, so I just thought it, it must be part of the later seasons. Mm. I, I don't know. All right, real quick though, who's the who's for Candy Corn? Who's not? Uh, I'm against it. <laughs> You're against well, it. well, I'm against the taste at least. Okay, I like how it I'm, looks. I'm, I'm very much pro candy corn. Mm, yes, yes. Both <laughs> Allie and I are both pro candy corn. <laughs> yes, I, we need our advocates. So thank you for <laughs> thank you for taking a um a courageous stand. There's just there's so much candy corn slander all over the internet. I, I can't I. When October comes, I get more memes in the DMs about candy corn than anything else. <laughs> Have you seen the pizza, the uh, candy corn like 
the frozen pizza meme with the candy corn on it and then it shows the frozen pizza with the candy corn baked on it after <laughs> no it's, you should just i don't know what you would look up like frozen pizza candy corn but it's pretty funny that's pretty good yeah that's pretty good oh, God, i'm looking at this the pizza right now it looks uh looks grotesque it looks like. <laughs> would you eat it andrew uh i mean i would try it naturally <laughs> i love it um well let's get this puppy under away because you know uh i think sure it, this is the big showdown i think people want to hear what uh, <laughs> what you guys have to say gonna put it to the test course we're going to start with story we'll we'll give a um a, a brief recap here of what happened um if you haven't watched these these are available on paramount plus and uh i don't know they're out there and um yeah and uh then we we'll get to the arguing we said you know if this time around if you want to just jump in and start arguing about something that someone's arguing as a a, a positive uh, i think i think let's embrace it let's just let's get down to it all right. <laughs> um, let's see here. Let's just go alphabetically. So, um, Logan, why don't you start us off with Bookish Babysitter and why you believe this story is the superior story? Cool. All right. So the story opens with Belinda, a babysitting at a, leaving a babysitting job, while Betty Ann gives us some background and explains that Belinda's everyone's favorite babysitter. The mom reminds Belinda as she leaves. Before she can answer, though, Belinda blurts out, Thursday, 7 o'clock. The mom looks puzzled, and the kids are all smiles. She drops a book and and shrieks out loud. Meet Ricky, the average new metal tween with a know-it-all attitude. Ricky Ricky seems used to being on his own, watching horror movies like White Zombie, and stuffing his face with ginormous bowls of chips. We'll get back into the bowls of chips later. Belinda arrives to the house, and Ricky's mom seems confused by her sparkling cloak and witchy vibes. Ricky, Belinda doesn't seem phased uh, as Ricky ignores his mom's introduction to Belinda. Ricky continues his tween ways until Belinda snags the remote from Ricky. She insists they're going to read some books. She tell, Belinda tells Ricky if, she, if he reads consistently for five minutes, he can watch TV for the rest of the night. Confused but open to the bribe, Ricky begins to read one of the Belinda's books. As Ricky begins to read, the lights twitch, and he hears a bang at the door as the story begins to unfold. Ricky immediately gets bored and moves on to another book. The Knight's Tomb. As he begins to read, Belinda insists he read from the beginning. And Ricky, of course, is like, why? I'm not going to finish it. Before he knows it, Ricky is nearly chopped in two by a knight and chased by a ghost and also chased by a witch. Um, Ricky seems unfit. Um, Ricky confronts Belinda, or what he thinks is Belinda. <laughs> seems unfazed when she t- when she tells him how do we make this. She said <laughs> he says, "How do we make this go away?" And she exclaims, "We need to burn the books." And then she hears Ricky hears Belinda's voice from outside the door. <clears throat> so either way, he keeps Belinda and Ricky get chased by a witch. They have to make their way to the basement. Um, and using the power of his severance metal shirt, he defeats the knight. <laughs> he slashes the witch with the knight's sword. The tomb opens up and Ricky frees the go- ghost of the king, who has been trapped for centuries. 
Ricky saves the day. Belinda's voice begins to pick up from where Ricky left off. Confused, Ricky returns to his living room, eyes open, holding an imaginary sword, just as he was in the crypt. Mom enters and can't believe her eyes. Ricky, the book has your name on it, Mom exclaims in a puzzled manner. Ricky turns to Belinda. Did it really happen? You know it's only a story, Rick Ricky, Belinda playfully exclaims. Call me any time. Wow. Okay. Very nice. Um, <laughs> man, like, like like watching a movie in your head, right? I mean, just... Uh... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 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 I'm serious. Like, just hearing the beats of it, I'm like, man... I'm, watch, I'm watching. Oh, that, yeah. I'm watching that ghost with that fat goatee floating through the, the basement. <laughs> like, um, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Logan, tell us what's some of the stuff you think really works about your episode in comparison to Dream Machine. Well, the writing and the character development—it's um, great. It adds equal parts cheese, creep, and quotable phrases. Um, I like the ooziness. Um, the scare mm. factor is great. Um, transforming the child of the witch. I think that's like a classic, like top 10. Mm. Are you afraid of the dark scare moment? I love Belinda's hair. Um, she looks <laughs> like, she looks like, uh, there's like a Madonna video from like, I think like 1989 for that, like open your heart to me song kind of has that mm. vibe going, but like a gothy okay. vibe. Um, like I like, I like the fact that Ricky, uh, he tries to end, like he tries to come up with a solution to solve, like to end the story and, he they they kind of push that with dream machine really fast whereas in yeah. with this they really like she's like nope there's no you have to you know you have to go further he talks about how he has to use an uzi and she's like oh hell no there will be no uzi <laughs> yeah you're gonna have to use your imagination um i just think the story goes a lot deeper it's a deeper level um there's less plot holes uh better special effects oh. i mean blind paul is he even blind um <laughs> oh, man. and uh, okay. if we really want to get deep if we go to the brett wilson encyclopedia aka aka the are you afraid of the dark book kiki has an average of 71 percent in storytelling which puts her in the bottom quarter of storytelling uh where oh, betty ann has a whopping 93 percent, putting her in the upper quarter with such memorable uh -huh. tales as laughing in the dark doll doll maker um ghastly grinner and of course brett's top 13 episode of all time bookish babysitter Wow. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm noting this for Midnight Society segment. <laughs> oh, very good. Oh, wow. I'm like yeah. way past that. Sorry. Um, I just think it's a better story. I think there's just a fact there's there's something about like, you know, as an adult watching Are You Afraid of the Dark now and I want like a good equal parts, really good story. Um, I want some cheesiness. Um, and I want the scare factor, you know. Um, and based on the theme we're going with, yeah, like acting is cool and all, but I really want like goofy, I don't know, goofy stories and I don't know. I just think, I think the characters in Dream Machine are just lacking, oh, like the character, like Ricky is just, Ricky's just <laughs> such a, a goofy character and Belinda's such a goofy character and like, I don't know. Yeah. Just all um, around better. I will, I, I will mention what is with this hyphen and babysitter in the title? I mean, for a story that's like about stories and seemingly writing to some extent, um, babysitter hyphen. Very bizarre. Yeah, I don't know. Whoa. I never even noticed that until you just said it. Wait a sec. Whoa. 
<laughs> I gotta look at that I just now looked, or is it real? Yeah, I just looked up the image of like the at least what appears on the campfire. Yeah. Bookish yeah. baby hyphen sitter. Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. Now now Andrew, you're you're more of an accomplished you're the most accomplished writer, obviously, of, of the three, and I'm assuming Logan. Uh, but um, is that incorrect? Are you saying like there's no there is no reason yeah, for that? For, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Unless it's like a Canadian like spelling or something that I'm not aware of. Hmm. Okay. Um, Logan, have you written any books? I guess I guess we should. Man, we should have started with that. Andrew's written three books here. Logan, you got any? <laughs> uh lyrics. I don't know. I'm I'm much okay. more of a, yeah. a a music man than a. Uh, been a book writer, but I do write lyrics. I mean, I guess that probably doesn't cool. really count. But. Nice. <laughs> no, no, yeah, it's, that's writing. Any kind of writing. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay, Andrew, walk us walk us down um Dream Machine Lane here. Sure. What what happened here? What do you like? Sure. Um. So, a group of a couple normal kids. They're at school. They come home to Sean's uh, new sort of uh, old dilapidated house. And they discover under the rotting stairs a typewriter, a mysterious typewriter, and some other artifacts from the previous owner of this house. Um, and they soon, uh, Sean soon starts typing on the typewriter, only for his stories to come true in the dreams of his friend uh, Billy and then Jennifer, um, and. Finally, uh, uh, meanwhile, they've got this assignment at school to write a uh, short story for the teacher, for the like really weird teacher. Um, and uh, <laughs> and they soon find so, soon they find out that if they read the stories out loud, um, not only will they come true, like before they were coming true in their dreams, now they're coming true in real life. And so they have to go um get Sean's story away from the teacher before she reads it uh before his friend Billy gets um buried alive by <laughs> Sean's story um and so that's blind the Paul. that's the gist yeah blind Paul <laughs> uh I, I love uh well I'll get to that later but um you know I think uh I I can't believe you guys both think the other story is more complicated because I think this one is like multiple levels more complicated than uh, I said it was more complicated. I thought you kind of uh, implied that, but maybe I was misunderstanding. Yeah, but they Um, just have to type that it never came true and that's it. Sure. Sure. Uh, I I mean, that's a classic. Are you afraid of the dark type ending? Um, and I, I can definitely understand the criticism of that. However, I do like that at the end, they don't fully get away with it. Like, it's not like everything's perfect exactly because they still have to answer to the teacher. So it's like, it's a happy ending, but it's like they have some consequences at the end still. So I appreciate that. Um, but uh, this story, I feel like is multiple different narratives going on at the same time um between the story of like having to write stories for the class and the story of what's going on with the typewriter and then i feel like everything at the end kind of just like comes together pretty nicely 
Um, I think it's well paced the way the story's played out. Uh, like every step of the way. I mean, I wasn't timing it, but I would swear, like almost on the minute marks or like five minute marks, you would get a new revelation about what's going on inside the story. Like between finding the the typewriter at first and then finding out about the dreams, then finding about real life, and then having to uh, stop the teacher from reading the story. It's just like really consistent uh, beats beats that way um uh i i also thought it did a really amazing job at avoiding the fact that you could type good stuff like these didn't have to be um horror stories i don't think but uh they kind of hid that pretty well like i didn't think about it until after the episode was over and i was like picking it apart um and also the possibilities like the possibly negative possibilities of the typewriter too Hmm. um and i thought that was strange like when in the dream in the windows 95 uh (laughs) desktop dream um he the girl like kisses him at the end but then the question is like did he write for her to kiss him boy that's where it gets creepy though I know it's I, I felt like I mean I know what you mean but I, also it's like just hinting at the possible like negative side of this thing like how far it could go my question was is there even a is there a bit of element of free will once the subject is conscious that it's a dream like there did she choose to kiss him or did he write twice that they exactly kissed? that's yeah, why yeah. it's creepy <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I meant I, I meant more logistically. I was actually trying to figure out True. what the science of the machine is. I mean, they definitely played it like that. Mm-hmm. I think the dreams are less real than like when they start reading it out loud and the stories really mm-hmm. start coming into life. Mm-hmm. Like, I think mm-hmm. they have more control maybe in the dreams. That's okay. my interpretation. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I mean, I feel like this episode features all the "Are you afraid of the dark?" hallmarks um the scariness of course romance between the characters um and in this one maybe most importantly the humor um hey we're gonna talk about romance here we we can go down that road with mine too (laughs) (laughs) is there is there romance it's a little it's a little weird she's definitely she's it's we talked about that earlier i was like i don't know if i should touch on this or not but (laughs) she's kind of creepy she's kind of creeping on ricky a little bit Praying on him. Yeah, she's praying on him a little bit. <laughs> it's that Severin shirt. She's it's just that so Severin smart. shirt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this episode, the like, uh, Dream Machine. I mean, um, I think was re- sort of reminiscent to me of like Full Moon or Nightly Neighbors, uh, level of humor, um, between Billy, Mrs. Dodds, um, I think there was just like unintentional humor as well um in just the way like billy's dress or sean is dressed like i'm not sure what <laughs> he's like in a suit and tie all the time yeah i, I took a note on strange. that actually too <laughs> um also i love this just to illustrate some of the humorous things um i loved this first of three at least three titular lines in this episode is it possible could this be a dream uh, machine i wrote that too that's like a, i put that as a faux pas here it's got some kind of power 
Is that possible? Could this be a dream machine? Oh, baby! This is like power! Whose head do you want to get into first? We gotta think about this. What's the thing? We can terrorize everybody. Oh, I love Oh, it. God. <laughs> it's um, not intention. The thing is, they're not trying to yes. make it intentionally humorous. I know. Whereas I, know. I feel like with, with Bookish Babysitter, like, the humor is just so obvious. Like, wow. like I don't know, like, Ricky in himself and Belinda's hair, like, like even in, when that episode aired, there's no way that that could be taken seriously. Uh, well, let me just mention a couple uh, intentionally humorous parts. Um, when Billy stumbles into a, when she's when uh, the teacher's reading, Billy stumbles into a crumbling graveyard on a dare. Ha! He would. And <laughs> I mean, this teacher is. I mean, I guess we'll talk more maybe in characters, yeah. but this teacher is something. Yeah. Um, and uh, my f- maybe my favorite moment when Sean. When they're Sean and Jennifer running through the kitchen at school, and he picks up the donut or whatever, she's been like, here. And there's a yeah, she's been there's here. A plate out. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, also the stakes at the end feel pretty high. Like I think they're sufficiently high for the story. Like it feels like wow, we gotta stop this teacher before Billy is buried alive. Pretty serious. Um, and, uh, just to speak a little bit to like how, uh, careful I feel like they were with this episode, just some, some little details that really flesh it out. Mrs. Dobbs's car, um, (laughs) not only, not only the look of it, which is great, but then it also comes back like in to be important in the story when they say like, I saw her car out there. She must be here. You know, um, the uh monster doodles on sean's story it just like that was unnecessary but it just felt like real i don't know like i was doodling on my papers all the time um and uh this one's almost like subliminal but this story the first story on the stack as sean goes to throw his down is called he's out of his mind by jennifer johnson (laughs) but uh so it's like was you know it feels like that's kind of commenting on what's going on here like is sean out of his mind yeah um so i just think this is like a really sort of complicated story and it's all put together to me um very well and i think it's like great pace and uh great scares and humor and i don't know i I feel like it's like a well-rounded episode Hmm. i think there's both i mean i think both stories have I mean, I would agree with you on on some of those aspects. I think, you know, one of the things that Bookish Babysitter really holds is is the character development, I think. Um, and also, I don't know. I mean, we're gearing towards different audiences, I think, in the Are You, Are you Afraid of the Dark realm. Um, I feel like watching both of those when I was younger, I just, I could relate more with Bookish Babysitter. Um, mm. Maybe that's because I was a lot younger and I was also kind of a fat metal kid. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So I don't know. I, I think I think I just yeah, I could relate more with that one. I wasn't okay. in high school and I don't know. Um so I think the thing that I noticed this time around is that there's a lot of screen time spent on Belinda and Ricky like talking to each other in a room. And um they do and the episode does a really good job at like not 
focusing on just that happening. I mean, there's just like stuff going on in the background sort of to distract from it, but it's like a weird amount of time spent uh, doing that. Um, also, the thing that really got to me and it's, I've always kind of felt this way since watching it back, back when, um, is after the witch is killed at the end, the rest of the episode just feels sort of unsatisfying to me. I'm like, like it's built up to this huge climax, the witch she's killed real quick. And then it's like, Oh, the ghost is actually a good guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I mean, <laughs> but unsatisfying you're, I mean, you're like, are you kidding I'm like, I, uh, i've like, always so yeah. we have to type it for it to go away we'll just sit <laughs> oh, uh, oh yes comes the teacher oh, that's, it. <laughs> that's fair um here you know, lies blind paul like on the gravestone come on i love, I love it ruins the scare factor ruins the scare factor i i would just say about the end of mine is that it happens in like what like maybe 30 seconds of time pass after that happens till we get back to the midnight society um but in bookish babysitter it feels like it just feels like a long sort of stretched out ending and but it's i like, feel like they wrap it up really nice like like the what belinda is saying and like her reading the story and like the, i just find those lines so memorable where she just says to him you know he's like did it really happen i mean that's just so yeah. like whimsical like you know it's only a story ricky like uh yeah for sure <laughs> for well sure. written you know um yeah i agree with that um i i just can't like shake that feeling of i i, I <laughs> it's like such a like i remember the feeling distinctly as a kid um at the end of this episode just wanting more out of are you afraid of the dark at the end or something like i just wanted the scares to extend a little bit further i don't know I, I well, let I me agree. ask you this: Do you feel yeah. like the dream machine? Did you, you didn't you felt satisfied with? A, I feel like the 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 episode's supposed to be taking itself a little more seriously, um, mm. and don't you? I mean, like you don't you feel satisfied with the fact that it just kind of a how they how they defeat it, but also the fact that just like the teacher comes in, it's like dirt, dirt, and she's like, oh, I guess we're in trouble, and that's like that that's well, I. <laughs> I like the teacher part. Um, you know, She's the funny. the writing the typewriter out of the ability to do its powers is is a not inspired ending, I wouldn't say, but it's okay. I don't hate it. Um I, I mean I can think of ways to make it better, but uh again, I just think like in in Dream Machine that that final run to like save Billy uh, lasts right up till the very end of the episode, pretty much. So there's just like one little moment after that. And it just feels like it works a little better for me like that. Okay. I mean, I think, you know, I think for me, I like a little more resolute. I like to see more like stuff happen, like more resolution at the end and just more wrapping of things, like wrapping up of things. I think I like that in most movies too. So I don't sure. know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, just different things. I feel like I'm pretty clear here. And sometimes I do the reverse of this, but I'm going to ask you guys just to give me an answer here. Uh, regarding the other person's story, what is your least favorite thing about it? 
So sometimes I'll ask what's your favorite thing about the other person's story. But in this case, I really actually want to know what do you think is the worst thing um, going in the other person's story? I mean, I kind of have a list of a few. (laughs) 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 Give me, give me, you're going to have to pick one. Just, just, I'm looking for the the big one. Yes. The big one. Oh man. (sighs) Being a musician. I'm going to give you, can I give you two, two quick ones? (laughs) All right. I'm going to pick two. Thank you. Being a musician and like just mu- like soundtrack is so important to me. Um, the synth music in that is just like, especially in the when they're slow dancing, is just like <laughs> holy, it is god awful. Um, I think that, and especially um, the other thing being, I mean, some of the dialogue; those are two big things for me. Um, oh man, razor sharp fangs. That's pretty gruesome. Like. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, eh. I like it. It, it just, yeah. Sweet dreams. It's just like, I don't know. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. Music and dialogue. Um, Andrew. Uh, well, for me, I guess I, uh, my bit, my two big things again are the kind of un to me, unsatisfying dragged out, uh, conclusion of the episode. And, the amount of time that there's just nothing really happening on the screen. Um, okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm good on this category. The end. Um, if you guys would indulge me, I'd actually like to do plot device next, AKA like how they used mm. writing oh, in the episode. Sure. Um, Andrew, if you want to start, start out on this one. Yeah. Okay. Um, so mine's, uh, they're very similar devices uh mine is the typewriter that can turn tight stories into dreams and stories that are read aloud into reality um i think uh what i like about this item is well first of all it's an item which i really like uh i'm a sucker for the items the almost um what do you call it almost sardo-esque item um I think what part of what I like about it is it forces you to imagine the possibilities of this machine beyond the machine itself um, and what you can do with it. I mean, it's like kind of an unlimited item um, in my mind for what it can do. Um, I also like that there's different levels of power displayed for this. So it has different abilities. They might not have even figured out everything it could do. Um, but I like this. I like these sort of open-ended things when they do things like that in Are You Afraid of the Dark, where it, for me at least, like kind of pushes my imagination to think about like all the possibilities of it uh, beyond what happens in the episode. Um, and um, and it, it's one of those things that, for me, again, like evokes this idea that maybe you could find a magical item out there and the way that they find it is such like a a classic and sort of realistic thing in real life. Like you might find a, a a magical item behind the stairs in an old house somewhere that nobody's thought about it in forever. October 13th, 1932. The new mystery novel by the late James Ellington is a spine tingling masterpiece. Must be the guy who owned the place before. Check this out. (laughs) 
James Ellington, writer and inventor, disappeared in 1931 and was found dead one year later. Murdered. A secret room just to hide this? Waste. No, it's a classic. They don't make them like this anymore. Um, so it's just, uh, I guess, like, what it can do and um, the item itself, like, just the idea of this magical thing that you might be able to find. Um, yeah. Cool. Um, what, do you, what do you think is, what Logan, what works about, like, the books in uh, Bookish Babysitter? I mean, it just gives you, I think, you know, it gives you a really, like, a classical feel, like, like you know, like reading, you know, the uh, just old classic horror stories and old fantasy stories, and I think that's played really well in this. I think the writing's just really well done. Like, they, the way the stories are told as he's reading them, like, it, it, like to me, it's like he's reading out of a book, like a real book. Um, the titles aren't cheesy, like, I mean, they, they seem like they could be actually books, like, was it the blind tomb or not the blind? I mean the uh the knight's tomb and like I don't know they just it I don't know it feels good to me it feels like real literature. Um... It was late on a dark moonless night as a wild storm raged across the moors. The hideous witch flew closer to the lonely cottage, swooped down and banged on the door. What what was that? Don't stop now. This one's boring. You only read one sentence. I can tell. Believe me, I know boring. Well, it's not like TV, you know. You have to give yourself a chance to get into the story. Use your imagination. Yeah, yeah. No, I, um, I think I understand what you're saying as well. And I think that's true. Um, well, Logan, I, what? Oh, go ahead. Sorry, Andrew. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I mean, I was just. I think they just him... take the story, the story to a deeper, le- like the imagination aspect is taken to a much deeper level, and more, I, I feel like there is more magic in our in my story. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. there, like it's a magic typewriter, but like Belinda's magic herself. She's a she's a she's a witch for all we know, and she had each one of those books is going to hold a different story, so. She's going to different houses. She's babysitting different people. Each one of these kids are having a whole different adventure with her. It's like it's like Miss Frizzle, but like like you know the Gothic Miss Frizzle. It's just like it's just I don't know. I think yeah. my story completely encom- encompasses magic, and whereas in I think you know the Dream Machine is kind of like a it reads to me almost like a like a Fear Street book. Um, it's yeah. just like I don't. It just. Eh. It's just got this '90s high school vibe that I just can't 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 handle. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I can understand that. Um, I I think my issue with the books in your story um, is that is is the what what is going on. It's like one of some of the books can come to life. One of them creates its own stories. Uh, it's like is Ricky coming up with these stories? Is the book? I think making as soon the story as he starts itself? reading it, I mean, the book comes to life. So, and the only way he can, you know, and I think what she's trying to drive home, Belinda, is the only way he can, you know, end the story is finishing the book. 
Yeah, yeah. And also um, the, the fact that he's writing his own book. I mean, he she says he's not ready for this one. And that's, you know, she's clearly reserving that for more advanced, um, more advanced kids yeah, she works with. And that's like, that's where it incorporates an even deeper level of the story that he's writing his own story and he's in the story. And I think, I mean, they both, they both kind of do that, but like, I don't know. The writing's just better. I do like what the things that you're pointing out. Um, I, uh, I mean, I agree. Like the idea of him writing his own story, that's good. Um, I'm just like saying from a purely technical standpoint, it's like, what are the, what do these books do? They kind of can do whatever, like depending on what the episode calls for. Um, but you don't it's, think it's just the characters. It's just the characters in the books. I feel uh, like more than anything. Th- what about the last one? The one that he's, the one that he's working, the one that he's reading, like yeah. his own book. Yeah. Well, I think he's just, I mean, because he opened all those, he opened all those other stories beforehand. So that was already part of the story that he was reading. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. He, that was when good. He, when he opened those stories that was incorporated into his book. So therefore all those characters that he opened, he has to, he has to defeat all those because he didn't finish the stories. Yeah. I, that is, that is good. Um, I, I just think they're playing a little fast and loose with the powers here. <laughs> like it could be, it could kind of turn into anything. It feels like, and well, it's like magic. I know. I, I, <laughs> I hear you. Um, but it's like also like so are these books magic or is it belinda giving the books the magic uh it's just sort of it's it just feels a little up in the air yeah. okay let let me ask you guys this um for each of you what, what which would you genuinely rather have would you rather have access to belinda and her books or would you rather have the typewriter ooh um <laughs> I think it would depend on my age. <laughs> I, I could take a lot away from that answer. What do you, what do you mean? As, as an adult, um, I think I'd rather have the typewriter, but I could see. So like, even as a kid, I mean, I had a lot of babysitter. I had, well, actually I had a consistent babysitter through most of my childhood. And I mean, it was, it, I think I related mm. to this story so much in the aspect that like, I was kind of a hard shell to crack. And, like, we did so much fun things together. We went to so many concerts. She got me into music. Like, I know, like, I saw, like, Weezer. Actually, I think you talked about I saw the same Weezer tour you saw, like, pre-Green Album. Um, You know, and, like, you know, she was, you know, she was huge into Weezer, like, huge in all these groups. And, like, you know, I felt like she was, like, my Belinda in a way. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think think that's what really, like, what drives it home for me in that. I think I would, as a kid, I would much rather have Belinda and her books and, like, this, this idea and this adventure. Whereas an adult, I could be like, you know, um, something went wrong in my life and I really wish I could reverse it. <laughs> so I'm going to write this. Okay. Okay. I, uh, from a purely like assuming everything works well or like the way <laughs> it's intended or whatever, I would definitely take the typewriter. Um, on the other hand, I feel like either of these things are so um like what they actually do is so unclear it it would be unclear in real life like can you die in the typewriter thing presumably you can from what we know about the guy who used to live at the house um 
So it's like a risk, you know. Could I think I the typewriters for a bowl of the dangerous soup instead. <laughs> that is good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I guess I'll take the typewriter if I got a pick. Okay. okay, I'll take the typewriter. Yeah, you said as an adult, but as a kid, you'd be tempted by the book. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense to me. The end. Um. All right. Cool. Um, well, let's move on. And we've talked a little bit about them. And I, something I like about both of these episodes is that it's pretty tight on characters. Um, yeah. I mean, Dream Machine right. really has f- four, I guess, four. but uh, yeah. plus some spare parts. And then um, sure. Bookish Babysitter has three with your spare part and then your spare characters. But um, what did you like about your characters? Why did your characters work better? Um, Logan, you start us out on this one. Okay. Um well, I just uh, I just get a kick out of Ricky. Um, he's just a relatable character um, to anyone who you know. Like I don't know, he's I could relate a lot to Ricky, and I think that's what I like about it. Um, I wasn't as much of an asshole as he was, but um, you know, he was just like I just I I feel for the kid. Like his his mom's out working, and you know he's got the he's into the metal, and he doesn't want to be told what to do. And it's believable. He's he's a believable character. Hey, I really like that drawing on your shirt. What does it mean? It's a metal bend that... Hey, I don't want to get to know you. I don't need a babysitter. <laughs> wow! You must be extraordinarily, amazingly mature. Yeah, I am. So keep out of my and, way. And Belinda, I mean, she's just so... Ah, she's just got a... She's a she drives home what she's trying to do really well, I think. Like what she like this creepy, witchy um, I guess bookish babysitter. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, what about your main your main people? Uh yeah. Um well first of all, I just want to point out, um, as Nickelodeon does so well, very diverse cast. Um good job at uh just inclusion broadly um and something that i just like didn't even think about until i was picking this episode apart so good on them um so my main character is sean the perfect every kid uh (laughs) with a crush on the girl at school and an interest in writing and a snappy dresser i mean (laughs) uh sean's great i mean he's the great like every man type character uh billy the best friend more relaxed and cool than sean he's like part of the comic relief of the episode um i think he's like a quintessential best friend type character uh jennifer the girl from school um who sean has a crush on but also eventually becomes kind of another member of this friend group um so she's a little bit more than just love interest um and of course mrs don't snuck into a crumbling old graveyard on a dare he was. Uh, a cartoon character of a teacher. Um, she's constantly eating sweets and annoyed to be <laughs> at school and around the kids. Um, I think she's uh, she's believable, but obviously exaggerated. Um, uh, she saves your story, man. If you didn't have her, <laughs> if you guys, if you didn't have her, that story would be ten times worse. Talk, um, talk, talk on that, Logan. What do you What do you mean? I mean, she's humorous. I mean, I agree. Like, she is, she's the best character in Dream Machine, um, I think. 
She's the only one that I found funny and interesting. I think all the high school characters are duds for the most part. Mm. Um, They're just boring to me. I mean, actually, well, no, the best friend was it Billy. Best friend. Yeah. Billy's Billy's okay. Billy's Billy's he's funny. He's got he's he I get where you're going with the humor thing, but I just think Sean's a super dud. Like, I don't find him interesting at all. Uh, his room's interesting. That's that's cool. I like his his uh, his pinball his pinball back glass. Um, that's neat. But um, no, I just don't I just don't find them interesting. I find them very boring. And also, um, I don't need Gary taking over my storytelling. No offense to Gary. <laughs> oh. All right, all right. Uh, I well, okay. I agree that Mrs. Dodds is the most like colorful character in the episode. And I do love her. I mean, she really brings some color to the whole proceedings. Um, maybe my favorite part about her, uh, just to go off a little bit for a second is um, when she's walking through the kitchen and she gets herself a shot of fruit punch. <laughs> shot of the juice. <laughs> love that. Um, but can I tell you, can I you tell know, you, and this doesn't, this, this doesn't count against your story. Um, but sure. it really grossed me out that she was grating on the toilet. Yes. Oh, yeah, sure. More. I know. <laughs> she was eating, I mean, it she does... was eating on the toilet, too. Yeah. It, it, yeah. yeah it does add depth. It adds depth to her character for sure, because that really oh, yeah. clues you into who she is. But it's it's gnarly. Yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I also appreciate that she's like kind of imposing enough that you like get that the kids are sort of worried about uh let you know like uh screwing up yeah um however uh i just want to say as far as uh bookish babysitter is concerned i do like belinda a lot um ricky's mom the one of the other characters just like a a nothing character you know yeah just like they're just to be there sort of for a second and uh ricky man i I think he is the second most insufferable kid of the series after wow. uh, the Crimson Clown kid. No, I, I completely agree, but that's what makes him great. I wouldn't go out there if I were you. Good thing you're not me. The Crimson Cloud Kid is terrible. Like, I can't, he is he is so bad. He is so mean. The worst. He is so mean. Every time I watch the episode, I'm like, "Wow!" I'm like, "How yeah. is your brother? Your brother is the most tolerable person on the yeah, face." Yeah, he has of a bad heart. Yeah, he does. He's a bad heart. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I just uh, I just think Ricky for me has always been a little bit hard to empathize with in his behavior i'm just like looking at this kid i'm like i don't care if this kid gets killed by the ghosts yeah but he's uh, acting out his mom his mom yeah, yeah. his mom clearly doesn't care 
oh, I think she cares. I think she's yeah. doing her best. She's yeah. doing her best. That's true. But she, I mean, the fact that you said she's just such a, a blimp character, I mean, yeah. right there, she's going out to work at night. He, he's like, you working again tonight? Like, he's yeah, just she, used to being on his own, you know? She definitely serves a purpose. It's just uh, not much of a character. She's only in it for maybe a minute. Maybe yeah. like a minute and a half. But I feel like that's why Ricky's acting out. Like, they play that up, and that's why he is what he is, because he's... He he just feels this attitude like I'm a, I'm a tough on my own kind of kid. I don't need yeah, people yeah. telling me what to do because I'm 12 years old. <laughs> I I agree that um it doesn't just because I'm saying he's annoying or whatever doesn't mean he's a bad character. Like he is a good character. Um, it's just he also is. Um. Yeah, I kind of hate watching him uh, <laughs> yell at Belinda and stuff. You know, I get got irritated. Um, so anyway, I, I don't know. I just think that for me, I feel like my cast is just a little more well-rounded, a little more going on. If it wasn't for Belinda, uh, I was going to say, if it wasn't for Belinda and the witch, I feel like uh, Bookish Babysitter would be a middling episode at best. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking here. I'm trying to, because I'm. This is close. I'm like really on the fence here. I just try to give me, give me something. Sell it, like the witch. I mean, the 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 transformation sequence with the kid becoming the witch. I mean, it trumps everything scary in Dream Machine. Like, mm. if nothing, I mean, nothing in Dream Machine is scary. I think. The grave is the the whole blind Paul thing's destroyed as soon as you see here lies blind Paul. And then, you know, as far as him becoming a vampire at the dance, I mean, that's that's destroyed based on, I mean, his costume. And the, can we just talk about the cloud sequence for a second? <laughs> like, like, really? Like, you can't that cloud sequence. It, it takes away any that just that destroys the whole episode for me. I'm in your dream. It's like. Jennifer, will you come with me to the most private place on earth? Shy? Where are we? The most private place on earth. Your dream. I hope. Jennifer, do you remember that vampire nightmare you had? Yeah. I think I wrote it. What do you mean? <laughs> well, I made um. it up. Okay, I, I just think I think Mrs. Dodds is as strong as probably is probably like the most fleshed out of all the characters in it's either episode. It's a typical Kiki story. Um. I don't know. <laughs> like you know, wait, look wait, at save I mean, the like, save the midnight society. Save save, okay. save midnight society. Um, okay, um, okay. I'm looking and over personally, my notes. I just I just feel Sean is uh is more relatable than Ricky. Like I can just, I, it's easier for me to get behind Sean than it is Ricky. Okay. Do you um, actually personally like? Can you can relate more to Sean? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I I, don't, I mean, I, at so least hard. okay. At least I I guess I like to think that I'm closer to Sean than I am to Ricky. <laughs> That's my hey, Logan. In my mind. Yeah. yeah. Every every night I have the same dream where I end up in this grave. And I've noticed that Andrew Andrew just has this pile of papers in his room called trapped. 
he's he's living this oh my goodness um, i mean this is where this is why it's so hard and debatable because like i can relate to ricky more like i mean i'm not like him in all the aspects i am i'm not insufferable like <laughs> at least i don't think i am i hope not i mean someone married me and i do have a child so i think i'm doing something right here <laughs> but like the thing you know it's yeah i don't know yeah i think um well, I guess I don't want to give my opinion yet, but okay, I, I feel I feel pretty good on this category, I think. The end. Um, let's move on to scariness. Both of your episodes have some pretty memorable sequences. Um, Andrew, tell us about why Dream Machine is the the scarier of the two. Sure. Um, I mean, I realize I have an uphill battle tradition with "Are You Afraid of the Dark?" traditionalists here. Um, but, uh, I think that the scariness in this episode comes a lot from the, like, a consistent, like, punch of a small scary thing happening. Like, at first it's Sean's creepy old house that he's just moved into, doesn't know anything about, and then the creepy room under the stairs with, with, that's holding the, uh, typewriter, um, and... The idea of James Ellington, the past owner, having been murdered mysteriously, uh, possibly by the typewriter. Who's to say? Um, the uh, uh, Sean is the vampire. Not the greatest until he uh, bears his fangs. That's pretty good, especially for a kid. You know, that's good. Um, but uh, trapped, I think, was probably like the most effective scare in this episode. Blind Paul. First of all, that name... Uh, perfect. One cold and foggy night, Billy snuck into a crumbling old graveyard on a dare, searching for the grave of Blind Paul. He didn't believe the stories about the graveyard being haunted, but he should have. Evocative of a scary ghost coming after you. Um, uh, in the graveyard at night and the kid is uh, being threatened to be buried alive um, it's just, it's a little much for a kid I feel like uh, it's a like real visceral scare um, something that could, that you could like imagine happening to you in real life um, also this blind Paul segment I feel like is the most it's just like a really classic feeling are you afraid of the dark segment I don't know why exactly it like maybe puts me in mind of old man Corcoran or something. It's just like being out there, the dark graveyard. Oh yeah. Yeah. Sure. It's because both of our segments are, we're about to talk about her in the music video. (laughs) Um, uh, another thing is, um, just the idea that you can't deviate from, I mean, these are like, these are, uh, more cerebral scary things, I guess, than visceral ones. But, the idea that you can't deviate from the story in real life um, ju- and having to live through it. So it's like Billy knows exactly what's going on the whole time, but he can't change it. Um, so uh, I, I don't know. I just think like the scares in this one are consistent throughout the entire episode for one thing, but they're also, um, they, it also just like all uh, combines to create like, a constant slight dread throughout the episode. Okay. 
enough said. Yeah, so I mean, <laughs> I mean, I've driven it home a few times, but I mean the the child transformation to witch sequence is, I mean, it's pretty uh, it's pretty frightening. Please help me, mister. I'm lost. You wonder how she had come to be in these ancient ruins. Can't you put down that book and help me? I don't know how to find my way home. Hey, look. If I knew how to get out of here, I'd tell you. She seemed out of place, as if from another time. Out of place, as if from another time. Another story. You're not a little girl. You're the. Put down the book. Get away from me. <laughs> um. You know, I think I think what makes this episode so scary, like once again, is you say you know this could all happen with the typewriter, but I mean, Ricky could easily be killed in this too. You know, he you know mm-hmm. he's got a knight, you know, chopping a sword on his bed. It's, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the big thing for me was definitely the witch, though. I think she is kind of one of those classic Are You Afraid of Dark characters, and yeah, she's, she, the makeup's done really well. Um, I don't really know who played that character. I didn't see in the credits, but well done. Uh, (laughs) pretty creepy. Especially and the Belinda transformation to the witch. I mean, it's like <laughs> this witch just keeps popping up and shape like you know character shifting. Ricky, if you will. don't listen to her. Let me in. Well, what's that? You better let me in, Ricky. Ricky, let me in. What's going on? What do you think? <laughs> Use your imagination, man. Oh, man. I was afraid this was gonna happen. I don't know. I found that pretty scary. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there is a level of danger with Ricky's as well. We don't know Belinda. It's the first time he's really, you know, by the end we kind of have a, you know, we get that she's not necessarily bad. Or is she? I mean, you know, she's collecting these books. You know, she's keeping Ricky's book. What's she doing? Doing some witchcraft? I mean, I don't know. I think, uh, you know, you, I mean, once again, Ricky, like I said, Ricky doesn't know what his parent, his mom doesn't really know her. So we don't know if those characters could, you know, take Ricky to his death or like what's going to happen. So I think, yeah, there's some scare factors there. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I, for sure the witch is horrifying, we can all admit um, my my criticism of it is it's te- it's like 10 seconds of total screen time. Like, I feel like the witch was so horrifying that I feel like they should have dedicated more time to that character. Um, and although she looks terrifying, um, she really doesn't do anything. Like, she goes, ah! but... <laughs> That's like about it, you know. Well, no, she does though. She she's she's portraying the other characters before she's a witch. 
that's what makes it scary yes i mean but she she doesn't seem to pose like an actual threat like like the knight i guess is at least swinging a sword but the witch is like in each scene is just kind of flailing a little but she doesn't touch him or anything yeah i mean but you don't think that her burning making him burn the books is like a weird manipulative like kind of that is a oh yeah you know i think like i think that's her figuring out a way to capture her capture him you know yeah it's definitely interesting that book burning part yeah Um, doesn't seem to result in anything one way or the other but it is interesting i think oh that was a good jab right there (laughs) (laughs) um just just some other things like the ghost turning out to be good a good guy it's just like all right this should have been another bad guy for the fun of it um a lot of running away but not like a whole lot of great monster on screen time it's a very short amount of time um and finally uh the night and the castle setting just never seemed particularly scary to me. I mean, the night's swinging a sword, but still it's kind of lumbering and it doesn't look scary. It's just, so I, I think like this whole episode rests on the witch, um, you know, whether that's strong enough to see beat I, I out blind think, Paul. I don't know. I definitely think it's strong enough. I mean, blind, <laughs> pa- blind Paul is what? Like, I mean, come on. See, I w- if Blind Paul was Old Man Corcoran, like if they if they made him more of a character like that, I could find this being a lot more. I could find the Dream Machine being a lot scarier. Um, you know, he's just. I mean, I just don't find that character scary, especially the graveyard. It's not. I mean, it's just so staged. It's so like the the like I keep saying the here lies Blind Paul. Like, come on. Oh, I like that. I mean, that's, I don't see a problem. That takes with away that. from the scare factor, though. Why? Why? Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't it just say, like, Paul so-and-so, like, died this way, or like, you know, this year to this year. Here lies blind Paul. Yes, we already know it's blind Paul. (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, (laughs) it's part of this kid's story. I assume that's, like, just the the level that he's working on. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> I, I always thought that blind Paul segment was pretty scary, but just one scary thing amongst a variety of. You find uh, the vampire sequence scary? Okay, I mean scary. Like I don't know if I find anything in Are You Afraid of the Dark? Like what's well, what's considered dark scary? Music. I mean, dark music scary. <laughs> it's not like keeping me up at night. No, no, no. Days, but you know? that's not. Yeah, I mean, Jesus, no. It's not. But, it's not keeping you guys up. <laughs> You know what, though? I do sit it sometimes I sit up at night and ponder the Vink theory that I think you guys talked about with dark music. Mm. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that is interesting. You know, I tried to research that more and I still can't find anything about that. Like no one's written about like, where? Oh, you know, there's got to be something about something about that. Um, Well, Uh, so let me let me ask um, if you could pick. 20 seconds from your episode as like the sell point of this is this is scary what would be like the 20 second scene the children Uh, the sequence of the kid the girl turning to the witch yeah okay andrew um mine would be blind paul keeping in mind that uh it's a significantly longer segment 
Um, so the scares <laughs> just last longer. <laughs> you know. Okay. You're right. Did you like time both of these? N- uh, no, but I was p- paying very close attention to Bookish Babysitter, especially because I was like, how much screen time does this witch actually get? I'd be you curious know? to see how that lines up with yours, because I really don't think it's that much different in screen time. Well, we do get two uh, two uh, um, different Blind Paul segments. Yes, but I mean, in total, how long are those Blind Paul segments, you figure? Uh, oh, I mean, <sighs> hard to say. I, I mean, mean, it I could think... be 15 to 20 seconds, maybe. Okay, okay. Yeah, I think, t- I think time-wise... The blind Paul scenes last longer, but actual blind Paul, we don't see him that long, do we? No, two seconds. No, just for like a moment. Yeah. yeah. I really tried to get a good look. I just couldn't, I couldn't, I wanted to see what his face looked like. Just a hooded, scary figure. Like, yeah. uh, like, well, why the is he a hooded, in... scary, ki- why is he in it? Why is he a hooded, like, figure? Uh, well, what do you mean? Like, I don't know. The, the name blind Paul, it just like, to me, that's just not the, I think that's something that also kind of threw me off is like, to me, that that's not what I envision in that story being who Blind Paul is. Hmm. Like, I, I would envision it being, like I said, Old Man Corcoran or some kind of, you know, kind of more like hillbilly, freaky character. Hmm. Sure. Uh, you, uh, I mean, that would you, be nice. I imagine it was a, uh, a budget restraint. Do I'm you guessing. think the writers of Are You Afraid of the Dark didn't want Sean to like be a better writer than them? quite possibly (laughs) we gotta make this kid suck a little bit at writing yeah (laughs) i don't want to show up their own story within the story did mikhail write that was that a mikhail story i don't believe so i looked up no no it wasn't was was bookish maybe i know bookish is a um wait no 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 david winning did um dream machine but i don't know I don't know who wrote bookish. Let's, Can let's I throw this. that into my uh, like selling points if that's a DJ McHale story? Hopefully he didn't write it, so that won't even come into play. Let's see. <laughs> um, he no, it's it's credited to Cliff Bryant and Alice Elliott. Jeez, took two people to write this thing. For goodness' sake, <laughs> two people. You're saying it took two people to make bookish babysitter? Uh, yeah. Yeah, because oh, the story was that good. They needed uh, two writers. I'm, I'm saying the opposite. And it actually does credit DJ McHale right here. Oh, no, it says original creator. Never mind. I yeah, he's, he's, he's on everything. Uh, yeah, and Dream Machine totally. is uh, Darren Cotinia. So, doesn't mean anything to me. Um, good work, Darren. Okay, I, I think I'm good here. The end. Boy, this is going to be a tough one, guys. Um, all right, so we're at our last. We're at our last uh, category here. Of course, the iconic Midnight Society category. Um, two pretty different campfires. Uh, Logan, tell us about your campfire and bookish babysitter and why you liked it. I mean, right off the bat, I just. I mean, I'm going to have decided. I just love, 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 love Betty Ann is a storyteller. Hey, um, what's that? A book? What was your first clue? Give me a break. Let me see. Sorry. Hands off. Is that book part of your story? Sort of. My story is about stories. Say what? We tell all kinds of horror stories about demons and ghosts and stuff. But no matter what a story's about, there's only one thing 
that makes it really scary. What's that? Your imagination. Huh? If you're really into a story, you become part of it, and you start to imagine what a horrible thing might be sneaking around the corner, ready to pounce. And you start to wonder what you'd do if you were the one facing the monster. She's up there in my, I mean, next to Frank, she's my, she's my second. Um, I like the, I like the opening sequence. I like the fact that, you know, Tucker's super curious. That's the same one, right? Hold on a second. I have it all written down here. I'm trying to remember. Watched it recently. Yeah. Oh no. It's the guy. It's sorry. My (laughs) Allie just corrected me. It's the, it's the Frank being, uh, being a situation. (laughs) <laughs> which is super misogynist, which is great because it's like it just puts him in his place. I mean, like Nickelodeon, progressive as fuck. It's just like, you know, why do you have to be such? A, can you quit being such a guy all the time? Like, okay, here you go. <laughs> I don't know. It's just it's like oh, it's great. I don't know. Like, and I love Frank, but I love the fact that he gets put in his place. And then you get that whole aspect. You get Frank angry. You get Sam, who's just I really like Sam. Um, I'm a big, I'm a big fan of, um, Watcher's Woods. I'm a big fan of Watcher's Woods. Um, mm-hmm. so I like that Sam's in there and, uh, yeah, Kiki's just, she's always driving home her story really well. She speaks well. Her character's good. Um, I love the ending sequence. I love the fact that they kind of play back into, um, the story. Like she had this all planned for Tucker she like she just happens to know like what he's gonna say i don't know i just think that was that was a cool way to in the in the sequence andrew um well mine in mine uh kiki is late with laryngitis so she has gary read the story she typed out herself on an old typewriter what is that a typewriter i found it in the attic should have left it in the attic hey it works i typed my story on it what for? Because my throat's killing me and I don't want to tell it. Can you read out loud for me? Uh, I'm not sure. We've we've never done that before. Go ahead, Gare. Be crazy. Throw away the rules. Start from the top. Yeah, I figured that. <clears throat> Writing a story down on paper is very different than telling it out loud. When a story's on paper, You can feel it, you can see it, and others can read it as well. But beware, for once a story is written, it no longer belongs to the author. (laughs) Uh, First of all, I love this uh, beginning. It's a twist on the classic um, Midnight Society format, but just like working the Kiki's story into it more, having the typewriter and Gary reading the story, all part of her story. Um, and after the story's over, uh, Kiki has disappeared and left a new scary story behind. Uh, and Tucker reads it to find, and it's like a little story saying like the headless warrior came after the midnight society and chopped them down or whatever. Um, and I think, um, it I, I just think this one ties in a lot better with the themes of the actual story, uh, both literally, obviously, with the typewriter, 
and the physical story, but also figuratively in um, her in like the less the tale from her story kind of like coming to life by uh, the way she uses her story to like it's almost like her story at the end comes to life in a sense, not in the same real sense as uh, in the bookish baby in Dream Machine. But, um, but they, like, it's alive in the sense that they believe it and they run off scared. The end. That was great. What happened to the... Kiki? What's it say? The headless warrior chased down each one of the Midnight Society one by one until they were too tired to run. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I think between the little bit of a twist and just like the fact that this whole thing is really connected to the actual tale, um, I just think it's a way stronger Midnight Society segment. Um, if um, just to hit upon yours, uh, I thought I think it's like more of a typical here's the object opening it doesn't necessarily like wrap in with the story except that it is an object well she says my stories are about stories my stories about sure sure and then the book is there talking about you know it literally plays off the story at the end yeah the book is there but i feel like it's not quite as deeply uh wrapped into what's going on as the... No! No way! <laughs> it's so much more clever. More clever? Yeah, Tucker's Tucker's reading. I mean, yeah, Tucker's reading, just like just like Ricky, who's also Tucker's annoying. Yeah. Same thing, and he's reading the story just like how Ricky started it. Well, Tucker also reads my reads the page left over in my story, but the thing that I think is. A little bit of just a sloppiness in yours is that it's like how did benny ann make tucker read that particular passage in the book because it's the only passage probably on the page it was all uh, well they actually showed it up close and you could see there's writing all over okay so that it was just a, a little bit of a sloppiness um also like the sam and frank thing it's fine like in terms of their characters but that doesn't wrap into the story at all um sure but it just it, feels it, that's giving character development to the Midnight Society. Sure, sure. Um, still, like some sometimes they can definitely like do both at the same time, um, and I just don't think that quite nailed it. It just feels a little more half baked to me than mine. Hmm. I feel like mine's just a little bit more thought out. Every like every aspect of it connects. Having right laryngitis. Me. Yeah. Huh. So that Gary can tell the story. I mean, that's the. It's you just a little hear... twist, you know. Oh, it all, but it does have to do with, <laughs> with storytelling. And yeah, you know. I get it, but it's like it's like going from like the worst star- storyteller in All Your Afraid of Dark to like this, in my opinion, the second worst storyteller. Oh, jeez. Yeah, those are fighting. <laughs> them's, them's are fighting words. I love well, then... Sardo. Don't get me wrong. I love Sardo. I uh, um, I just don't like Gary. Is a character. Gosh. I mean, I know they have a bad reputation, uh, not as good of a, a reputation as Betty Ann, but I just think in this case, 
this was a strong direction to go in. Okay. The end. Very good. I feel pretty good here, guys. I think I, I think I have my decision. If you want me to go over it, yeah, I, I'm worn out and ready to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> that is generally the yes. That is that's a good way to describe for our listeners of how it feels to complete a verses, which is like, all right, let's just you know what, <laughs> I'm, well, I'm done talking. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I really did try to go based off of your points. Of course, you can't. I can't help but have a little bit of bias. So my thing is like, I have to hear you say what my bias is for me to really mm-hmm. count it. Uh, if you don't say it, then um, you know you lose it. But um, I'm going to start backwards. I'm actually going to start with the Midnight Society segment, um, and the winner here is actually Dream Machine. I think, uh, Andrew, you mentioned, I think it is just more interesting. I think um, it gives you a little bit of a twist. You mentioned uh, Bookish Babysitter. It just felt like a little half-baked. I I almost wanted to rewind it when I watched because I thought, like, did I miss something? It just was very, like, straight Mm -hmm. to the point. Um, I like like the inclusion of the typewriter. Um, You know, in this case, I'm not, but if I was judging it off who the storyteller is it would just be an automatic win which didn't feel fair so like i don't really care who's reading i just like like that they had some gag of laryngitis and the typewriter and gary like there was something going on and both both your midnight societies kind of end with the same stunt essentially like which is like this object now in reality is going to cause something to happen whether to tucker with the headless guy in the woods and I just thought that um, Dream Machines was a little more effective. Uh, and it, and as Andrew said, it did, I think, tie in better. Um, so Midnight Society goes to Dream Machine. Okay. On to nice. scariness. And if you have any questions, you can stop me. Hmm. Um, Andrew, you, you mentioned having an uphill climb here. I, I agree. Um, I, I had to give this to Bookish Babysitter. Um uh, Logan yeah. here mentioned uh, <laughs> uh, he mentioned enough of what I needed to hear um, the child turning to Belinda or I'm sorry the child and Belinda turning to the witch is I think you know just scarier than anything in your episode um, good makeup you know I think there were actual threats to Ricky um, I, I really liked what Logan said about Belinda herself being kind of a question mark that one of our two main characters throughout you don't really fully know her intent is she this person who really cares about kids and literature or is she mr olsen at the pinball shop you know um, (laughs) so that like that rang true to me of like belinda is always even still i've watched the episode i'm like i'm not sure i know what belinda's deal (laughs) is um and so that that's off-putting to me um, I do, of course, love the graveyard and Dream Machine, but they do not really utilize Blind Paul, I think, effectively enough. I think the fangs at the dance are a little bit undercut by the fact of how cheesy the dance is. Um, you know, um, so I, 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 yeah, I just think I think the twenty seconds of scariness is uh, scarier he- here uh, than say Blind Paul Cemetery. Though I do love a good cemetery, just as. Uh, Logan said did feel a little bit staged compared to yeah. say like the old man Corker and uh, cemetery. Sure. Um, uh, okay. Yeah. I uh, just want to say that the witch is like one of the all time 
whole series uh, holy, holy most God. frightening things um, yeah even this time around like yes. i like i knew what was coming i knew i knew in my head what she looked like but she was even more horrifying than i remembered somehow <laughs> it's like uh it's really crazy yeah so well done um and and logan you didn't really mention it but i the thing that actually like as a kid stuck with me almost just as much was the ghost really um i i know i know at the end and andrew i think you made a good point which is i think they undercut the the ghost a little bit um but before we know that i really that like that vision of him floating down the hallway used to really put me on edge um so that's fair yeah 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 Yeah. um characters all right uh we got ricky and belinda versus um kind of your your group here jennifer sean mrs miss dodd and um Oh, what's his buddy's name? Um, Billy. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, in this category, I'm going with, uh, I'm going with, um, bookish babysitter. Um, wow. I think I think Ricky is relatable. Um, Andrew, I don't. I just I don't know. I think you and I were more Ricky than Sean. Um, oh man. You mean, don't think so? I like to think I didn't treat people <laughs> that uh, that. No, but I don't mean, I don't Partially. mean, I guess I don't see Ricky like that. Like I see Ricky as just like your every middle school aged kid. He's just kind of gruff, but there's every something 12, there. Every 12 year old's me. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's just part of being 12. <laughs> yeah. The, the only thing that really like, I mean, the watching TV, you know, I connected with that, but besides oh, yeah. that. And kid, the white zombie appearance. The worst. I mean, yeah, I love that's that. Cool. Love that movie. Yeah, that was cool. I, 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 I just didn't find Sean very relatable. The romance with Jennifer, you know, I, Logan described it as your characters just being kind of duds. Um, oh, and geez. I just kind of agree. I, besides the teacher who is comic gold, um, <laughs> I, I think, uh, that Belinda and Ricky are just kind of the more memorable duo here. She's, as he said, witchy, um, yeah, I just I, I think they're the two that I've seen both of these episodes a bunch and I I can tell you Ricky and Belinda's name, you know what I mean? Like um hmm, but I don't I don't I'm think that would sure. be the No, you don't think so? You wouldn't remember would Belinda? To, I probably wouldn't have been able to remember a single person's name from any, either <laughs> of these. <laughs> all right, that might be my problem. Um all right, plot device. All right, who who did it better? Uh, in this category, I went with Dream Machine. Um, I, I agree with Andrew. I think the item is cooler. It's I, I like what you said. It's kind of a Sardo-esque um, machine here. Unlimited possibilities. Different levels to what you can use it for. Um, where I think... I think Bookish Babysitter is actually, in some ways, more confusing to me. Like, I don't know where her power and the book's power meet and end. Um, I think what it produces is super cool. Um, but I, I think like the fact that at the end of the day, we all sat here and we're like, man, I'd rather have that machine. What the machine does is I think a little more unique. Um, I think that's a credit to the episode and coming up with like a really cool device. Jack. Nice. Nice. It's all all about your imagination, man. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's what There's no room for imagination. <laughs> when you're judging, 
it's all literal. All right. And finally, our, our story category, it's two to two. Um, this will, this will take home the winner. Um, I, you know, I hate to do it to you, Andrew, but I, I went with bookish babysitter here. Oh boy. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I, I think he pointed out a couple things that were really on my mind here. Number one, um, I think that, uh, his episode really plays with the camp in a more successful way than your episode. I think both are really actually crazy. What? Crazy. Crazy? Crazy. That take. Yeah. Yours is trying yours is trying to not be campy. Mine's intentionally being campy. Uh yeah, I know. That's part of what I like about mine though. Is that mm. uh, the unintentional are you afraid of the dark? Uh, yeah, it's a it's a little yeah. too bone dry. It doesn't like it doesn't quite get to 15 territory. Um and it doesn't quite <laughs> Like it's not as he mentioned. Like where I think where they're going for humor, it doesn't quite stick. Um, I think that his ep- right. I, I, I like the tone of his episode. It's cheesy. Um, the humor is way more purposeful. Um, the ending. This was this was a big one for me. I was kind of waiting to hear if you guys would talk about it, but um, I think I, I and I guess it, we might just disagree on it. But I think the ending of Dream Machine is like a real like huh. Uh, it just they are in and out on that ending so fast that it's kind of it's a little strange yeah especially I think that's because what really turned me off about it yeah it, those type of endings work a little bit better when it feels like an evil is still looming like if that if that typewriter had started glowing again or something then you want that quick cut or like when uh, the virus yeah. when the virus when the virus's I, hand comes out but the I, quick cut oh, go ahead <laughs> I agree. I just think I also think that's like the same way I feel about uh, Bookish Babysitter. Is oh no, it feels like an nothing ending. left. There's but there's nothing to be afraid of. Like well, there's she's nothing still, left. She's, she's still out there. Out there. But... She's still out there and, and call me anytime. Yeah, but she doesn't. She no longer feels scary. It's like mm. Ricky has overcome the fear, and that's the end for of... now. Yeah, I just didn't get the sense that like it was gonna continue. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, I I did think I did think uh some of the dialogue in your episode was a little bit clunky. The mic, as you described it, the Microsoft uh dr- dream sequence was r- <laughs> oh, really yeah. re- really too. rough. Um, not like I I just don't think there's a moment in Bookish Babysitter that would equal kind of the the low of the dream sequence um so <laughs> i agree i just i guess i'm viewing that as a good thing it definitely stands out um <laughs> but i i not in the way that i'd not in a way i'd want to argue pro story um it's i i think I, I yeah i just i just think dream machine had a few lower moments um and uh the tone on bookish babysitter i think is just overall as logan i said, get a little emotional at the end of bookish babysitter when i watch it <laughs> Boy. like like honestly it's just like it just feels like they completed a journey and like i think that's why like you were saying like they, there's an ending to it mm-hmm. like yeah. they, they, you know she's like the story's almost over like, it's like know. this this epic end for yeah. what wasn't which what didn't like feel like an epic enough. It's twenty episode. minutes. I know that's what I'm saying. <laughs> they got like to cram going, it in. They're going for an hour long epic end in a 
half hour episode. Listen, it's not Silver Sight here. We don't have all the time. Not Silver Sight. I, it's, not Silver, I know Silver they should. Yeah, yeah, Silver Sight. We don't have all the time. I know. I'm saying they shouldn't have even tried to go that route. Eh, I thought they did good on it. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah. Well, I my decision stands. It's three two bookish babysitter. Um, good job, good job to you both. Uh, it was a it was a well fought uh, argument here. I think Andrew, you said the you said at the start that it was you know I I just think you had the tougher job here. Um, sure. I, th- sure. I think bookish babysitter is the superior episode, and I, you know, I I think Logan mentioned enough of what just had to be said about why it's better. Um, I was listen. My biggest surprise here is that Betty Ann. Uh, has a stinker of a midnight society segment here it's it's not it's not her best showing i agree yeah um well uh i mean i love both of the episodes actually um you know i'm really i will say trying... you know after listening to your points on bookish babies i mean on um dream machine it gives me a little bit more of an appreciation um so yeah, I mean, like I don't know. I think you did drive home your points well, and I, I kind of like it a little more now after hearing that. Well, good. good. Yeah, I'm glad I could bring you around. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you guys want to rate these before we wrap up? Yeah, sure. Okay, Andrew, what did you give? What What did you What did you give Dream Machine? Um, Dream Machine, I gave a four point five. Um, I. I always really liked this episode. Um, I know that it's gotten more flack than most or than other episodes, but um, I just, I just think it's like a really solidly put together one. Um, I again, think the story just plays out at like a really measured pace, plenty of good beats in it. I, I just think it's like a technically very good episode. Um, and uh just and the humor of it um like the the humor for is the strangest part to me from listening to you guys because i'm really not laughing at much in bookish babysitter but dream machine i'm laughing like at a lot of stuff so Mm -hmm. i don't know but anyway four and a half not quite like not quite it's not an episode that i would would be the first one that i suggested somebody new to the series watch but like if they were really into it, I might like be in a second tier of episodes. Yeah. That's a I think that's a good way of putting it. Uh what would you give Drew Machine Logan? Um, I'd probably give it three. Three cre- we're going by Krebs stars here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, three Krebs stars. Um I don't think it's like the worst. I mean it's not Hungry Hounds. Um <laughs> or you know, or the Manaha. Um but yeah. uh you know yeah, I think three is a solid number. It's like I'd put it for me. I'd put it in like a, in like the second tier as well. Like that's I would put it like not. It wouldn't be in my like top episodes, like top ten, ones to show. But it's you know it's like second tier. Okay. Okay. Um. Yeah. I, I would go four point two five. Four point two five. Um. Very strong. Uh. I think an episode I came around late to, but um overall just like a very fun conceptually a very fun episode um, yeah what about bookish babysitter um i would give this one also four and a half okay. um 
And I think that it has a stronger, I have a stronger nostalgic connection to this episode. Um, but I feel like, uh, and it's a great one. I mean, it is a classic episode. Scare, one of the scariest monsters in the series in the witch. Um, it just like, as I'm doing this episode, I was like just picking it apart more and realizing how much of the episode is spent with, out much really happening from from what i was watching so I, I and they do a good job at covering it up but um so i again it's not like quite midnight madness for me but um it is still a very good episode um. <laughs> uh what did you what did you think logan um i gave it four um okay. it's a great it's it's up there for me i'm just kind of a, i'm a stickler with my ratings um sure I kind of like the, I see, I, I don't, you keep saying nothing's happening in the beginning, but I think what it is, I mean, the dialogue between Ricky and Belinda is what's happening. I mean, like that's the classic kid not wanting to listen to babysitter and like, uh, back and forth, you know, it, uh, not even so much the beginning, but like once stuff starts happening, it's like they go from room to room kind of talking to each other. Okay. Uh, okay. It just feels like once the action is going, it's like I, I want to see a little bit more of that stuff rather than necessarily what they have to talk about. Okay. Yeah, I'd give it. You know, I'd give it. A, I'd give it a four. Uh, four out of five. Okay. Uh, bookish babysitter. I'm going with a four point seven five. Oh wow. Um, I just think this is a kind of an all timer. Um, no major complaints. Uh, two, I guess in my my view, two very memorable characters uh really love belinda of course we've we've talked about that before and then i think ricky ricky's very different to me than the um crimson clown kid i mean crimson clown kid <laughs> is a soulless character where this kid is like i see him and i see every 12 year old i've ever met and like somewhere down there is you know a, a a kid that you know this kid's parents are split he's got a rough home life as was being mentioned probably um, so I think there's a re- reason for the baggage. Have you guys looked up? Is Severance a real band? Yes, I looked it up. You did uh, today in the <laughs> process of this real metal band. Um, they seem to be, I think, still around, but I couldn't find that specific shirt. Except somebody uh, on somebody on Etsy is like making their you know <laughs> own version of it. Oh, cool! Uh, so you could get it um i mean that's yeah. a that's a good get up with the yellow and black plaid and the severance shirt oh man i have yeah, that yeah. color plaid too I, think I, already got, <laughs> I got my i got my halloween costume for this yeah. year I, there you go i'm i meant to make fun of uh the ending or like him uh facing the night with the severance shirt <laughs> yeah yes pulling it open so good oh, it's yeah. so good <laughs> so good the uzi right. sequence you guys didn't even talk about the uzi sequence oh yeah the uzi oh, oh the uzi yeah, i love i love that belinda's like no that can't be it <laughs> <laughs> yeah um all right andrew do you want to name this thing sure I called the dream machine uh, the tale of typing in the dark. Mm. Get it? Pretty good. Yeah. Like that. Eh. Yeah. 
Okay, well, admittedly, I forgot to do this, so I'm not proud of these efforts. They're, they're last minute, but I went with um, The Tale of the Typing Terror. Nice. Okay, yeah. Very good. Um, and and uh, what about Bookish Babysitter? Yeah, mine is The Tale of the Sword in the Book. Ooh, <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. Nice. Yeah, I went with The Tale of Belinda's Books. Mm. I'm going to say mm. the tale of Ricky's wild night. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. Yeah. Very good. Um, we had our results from the tale of the doll maker. Uh, and I, I took that one home with the tale of the doll house as it always should have been. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> but it was, it was a very, it was one of our closest where like everybody got a pretty even amount of votes. Hmm. Uh, it's a solid episode. I'm glad you guys talked about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was good to get to that one. Um, yeah. All right. Well, this this episode was like kind of the uh, midpoint for Podtober, Andrew. Where are we headed next? Uh, next time we're talking our snick tapes, mm-hmm. um, our own dream snick tape creations. Based Halloween, the, Halloween, yeah, based. Oh yeah, yeah, Halloween, of course. Yeah. Based on the classic uh, Nickelodeon orange tapes. Yeah, we've done this once before with um. We made our own snick tape, but this time it's creepy themed. Uh, yeah. And Melissa will be joining us, our our old pal. Yeah. Uh, we'll each select pretty much. We'll fill two hours, right? Like we're just gonna pick enough episodes to fill two hours and yeah. See what Classic what comes together. VHS. VHS runtime. Yeah. Um, now I don't want to. I don't want to spoil too much. We have already recorded that episode, and uh, this is like me talking from the. This is like me telling you the future a little bit. But can I just say something, Andrew? Sure. I really regret my first pick on the tape. Why? Oh, why? <laughs> what? I don't want to give anything away here, but you know, as you listen to the next episode, just be aware that current Joey is disappointed with past Joey's first pick. I think it's, I, I, I just think it was the wrong pick. Wow. Like a total personal thing. Like you've just decided. Well, I think reflection. What, it, it, this will all make more sense once people hear it. Like I love what I picked, but it just doesn't make sense for the tape. I, I shouldn't have done yeah. it. It was selfish. Hmm. Wow. Um, well, I mean, <laughs> who cares? You know, it's your tape. I know. I know. It's just not going to make sense to people. Yeah. Um, eh, it, some people will. will. All right. Well, look forward to yeah. that, folks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, in the uh, Andrew, uh, the book is out, right? Uh, third space but junk book. It's called The Deaths of Adam Jones. Uh, you know, it's available on Amazon and sign copies on Etsy if you're into that kind of thing just look up space junk um should be one of the first things to come up but uh so cool. yeah feeling good third book out this is our uh our third album coming out oh nice yeah yeah oh nice. where can uh, so tell people you you last time you were on was two years ago for um hard days pete we talked a little bit about yeah. your band but where where can people find you um spotify Bandcamp, um pretty much any streaming platform uh we have two singles out off this new album coming out in december um we're pretty proud of it so yeah a couple singles are out i think you guys heard one of them yeah um, yeah cadaverette on <laughs> instagram and uh, you know Bandcamp and spotify yep. cadaverette nice. yeah yes yeah, awesome. uh very good stuff i i, I really enjoy it oh, um you. 
yeah, both both highly recommended. I got my copy of Space Junk. Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm so used to saying Space Junk. I got my copy of the Deaths of Adam Jones. I'm very excited to dig oh, in, Andrew. Nice. We'll do our. Nice. I'll do my. We'll record my live review. <laughs> um <laughs> okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um no no yeah uh but uh in the meantime if you want to get a hold of us we're on twitter at boc podcast instagram at orange couch podcast you can email us at orange couch podcast at gmail.com you can hear us on podbean uh spotify apple Podcasts. Uh, you can leave reviews on apple Podcasts and spotify now now spotify you can't write anything but you can give us little stars at the top of the spotify page and that helps uh i assume the algorithm send us out to more people who are looking for the nerdy 90s Nickelodeon stuff um, but uh, speaking of helping uh, Logan thanks so much for taking time and arguing uh, yeah. on behalf of Bookish Babysitter that, that we, we really appreciate it yeah thank you guys so much for having me again. yeah uh, you nailed it you really brought it and um, I feel yeah. congratulations you know I feel like you you had a it was a well fought uh, match, and you won um, by right. <laughs> I mean, hey, you. I mean, you. I don't know. I was a little nervous. I think you did a great job. Also. Thanks. thanks. Uh, very cool. Well, um, we hope all you uh, bibliophobes will join us for the next episode of Pod. Uh, did we lose Joey again? Still oh, on did we? Hello? Hello? Oh, no, yeah. Okay. Oh, boy. The end. <laughs>